Welcome to Supply Chain Central, a podcast made by the Rutgers University Supply Chain Association, delivered to you monthly to keep you up to date on all things supply chain. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Supply Chain Central. Today's episode has a special guest appearance from Jeff Tucker, CEO of Tucker Company. Mr. Tucker has a lot of industry knowledge and insight on the freight and logistics side of supply chain. So keep listening to this episode if you would like to learn more about third-party supply chain services, the freight industry, and Tucker Co. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Supply Chain Central. On today's episode, we have a special guest, Jeff Tucker, CEO of Tucker Company Worldwide. So Tucker Company specializes in complicated freight, such as temperature-controlled, high-security, and oversized shipments. They are well-established and experienced in logistics and transportation for the past 60 years. Um, From my understanding, it's a family-run business, um, and I believe Mr. Tucker is the third-generation CEO, um, if that's right. Yes, it is. Okay. Um, and is there anything else maybe that you want to add in? Uh, no, I think that's a, you know, we're, uh, well, I suppose we're the oldest privately held freight brokers in the United States. Gotcha. Okay. So can you explain a little bit more just for um, the listeners and for me, just to make sure I have an understanding um, of what exactly your company um, does and what the freight business um, is? Um, in terms of like what your clients are, your customers, and kind of your operations? Sure. Uh, I could talk for hours, so I hope you have a lot of time and <laughs> I could make yourself comfortable. Uh, yeah, so uh, what Tucker Company is, is a, is a freight brokerage, right? And uh, we have never in 61 years now, so we're entering our 61st year, we've never owned a truck. So imagine this, that we're moving, you know, hundreds of thousands of truckloads of products, through those years, and we've never once owned a truck. So we, what we do is that we have um, a license, it's a federally granted license to arrange freight transportation. Our customers are um, oftentimes they're uh, drug manufacturers or over-the-counter, what we call OTC, uh, the, you know, the cold medicines and vitamins and that sort of thing that you would get in a CVS or Walgreens. Okay. And, um, and we are moving their product. So a lot of the products that we move, you would know. Um, and then in addition, and that's a lot of temperature controls. So 48 foot trailers, the ones that you see semi uh, that you see on the highway mm-hmm. and 53 foot trailers, temperature controls. So there's a, you know, so it doesn't get too hot, too cold. And also um, uh, uh, we're into food. We'd move quite a bit of food to restaurant chains through some of our customers that distribute in through those chains. Um, now, way back to my grandfather's days in 1961, when he founded the company, we still move uh, some of those original types of freight, and that would be the over-dimensional freight. So heavy loads, loads that are heavier than, than the legal limit, higher than, you know, than what maybe bridges can handle. Uh, so high, wide, heavy loads. The biggest mm-hmm. things you could possibly move over the road, we have a hand in, in arranging. So okay. and it's, it's just that we are, we find carriers, motor carriers, trucking companies to handle these shipments and fulfill orders for our customers. Okay. Interesting. So you guys are essentially working with, I guess, an established network and you're kind of in the middle, I guess, like a third party 
um, like logistics company that's kind of in the middle um, between um, your your clients and the, I guess, trucking companies, right? And yep. you're kind of arranging that transportation for them? Yeah, that's exactly right. And um, Okay. Yeah. And, you know, uh, you might wonder, well, gosh, in a digital age, why would you need such a, a third party? Why would you need such an entity? Mm-hmm. And there are, you know, there's Uber Freight and uh, that's out there. But, you know, uh, the the freight business is very much unlike the people, uh, people sitting in chairs business uh, that, 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 you know, uh, that like the ride sharing industry uh, the customers, um, uh, our customers require a certain type of equipment. They, there's a there's a lot of um, there's a lot of behind the scenes work that goes in. To arranging that freight transportation is a still a incredibly relationship oriented business mm-hmm. uh, where the preponderance of trucks out there are not looking for the next load on some app. In fact, they strenuously avoid that. And they're looking for long term relationships. There are some loads that go out on some board, some app, uh, but it is a it is a minority significant minority of how freight transportation today has moved. Interesting. On that point, actually, so my question off of that would be, would you say that your customers are the reason that you are kind of there because you you have that knowledge and like understanding that maybe your customers wouldn't exactly know what they're looking for when it comes to like um, like having like needing specialized freight, and so you guys are kind of providing that expertise in that area. Yeah, certainly some of our customers are a little less sophisticated, maybe than our team, you know, and our our, our people. But mm-hmm. and, you know, I have plenty of customers that are way more sophisticated than maybe than what we are. But they what what is common in in both of those types of customers is uh, they don't want to be those experts. They don't want to spend the time and spend the money, the resources, they don't want the systems uh, in place that are required to run freight like clockwork. Mm-hmm. So they want to outsource that to entities like us who specialize in it. Interesting, okay, and that's where you come into play. Okay, uh, thanks. So I think that definitely um, clarifies things a bit. So I guess in terms of um, more so like the supply chain industry and that sort of news right now. Um, from my understanding, there's a lot of, um, there was like a, in the past few months, container shortages and um, like price hikes in that sense. How has that impacted your business? And specifically, I guess, also in terms of like the trucking industry, right? Uh, you guys work with um, those companies and I know that they've been experiencing a lot of um like labor shortages um, on truck drivers, things like that. So how has that impacted the way you're conducting business? Yeah, so I'll, I'll, I'll step back and I'll mention to you that I just came back from what's called TPM, Trans-Pacific Maritime Conference. It's the largest conference in the world that, mm-hmm. um, that brings together uh, you know, importers, exporters, steamship lines, and the freight forwarders that, that arrange global transportation, global supply chains, right? Uh-huh. I spent the last few days out there in Long Beach in the port of Long Beach with that group. So I've got, you know, pretty, pretty fresh and clean insight. But the um, this issue was brought about the issue that we're talking about here, the containers, the shortages, uh, rate hikes, uh, a, a global supply chain that is a mess occurred yeah. 
uh, March two years ago, roughly um, today, in, in early early mid March, when when the U.S. shut its you know it shut the country down for a couple of weeks, right? Now yeah. Europe Europe had already done it, uh, China had already uh, done it, uh, and we were you know we were next as the wave was COVID was was coming across the a pond. So yeah. uh, when all of a sudden then. We just imagine for a second you were in the chicken uh, business, right? Like, like there's some here in the East Coast, uh, uh, big chicken farms, right? <laughs> imagine they, they, these these folks know when the chicken is about to be, you know, called for, you know, for processing. Mm -hmm. um, and and let's just round numbers: fifty percent goes into restaurant chains and commercial distribution; fifty percent goes to grocery. All of a sudden, all restaurants, all all uh, commercial, shut down for two weeks. Yeah. Uh, all of that, we were still eating the same amount of food, maybe even eating a little bit more during COVID early. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and all those supply chains just completely had to change gears overnight. Yeah. Trucking companies, they, they're, they're in the business for long term. So the trucking companies that were going from, from the chicken farms, let's say, to, to, uh, uh, to a commercial industry, you know, distribution centers, in, in, the, in the range of, you know, 10, 20 truckloads a day from A to B, all of a sudden, B wasn't open anymore. Yeah. A, a wasn't shipping to B anymore. A, they were shipping somewhere else. Well, you know, uh, it, that trucking company then that was going from A to B was dependent on uh, somebody in the region of B loading them back to come to A when they didn't have that anymore. Yeah. So it, just imagine this ripple effect in every single industry to one degree or another over the next few weeks of, of March of 2020, then when yeah. all of a sudden the economy began picking up again, the freight industry went gangbusters, like berserk, just, just went crazy uh, June, July of 2020. And we have not looked mm -hmm. back. This is the longest, uh, this is the, the longest cycle of Ex, uh, where demand exceeds supply of transportation in history. Interesting. And so how, how did you kind of adapt to that? I mean, it must have been like a huge gear shift. Uh, what, did, what did your company have to kind of do to keep up with that? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. It was, it was really scary in the beginning. You know, we, we were wondering, gosh, what happens? No one's ever been through this. We've been through yeah. the Great Recession. You know, that was, that was interesting to live through. But that that the, the the country didn't shut down; it just got slower. Uh, yeah. This like uh, you know we didn't know which way was up, which way was down, but we just kind of stayed focused and listened to our customers, stayed very close to the marketplace, and we began uh, as a third party. the The beauty of being a third party is um, we are uh, whenever there's a little bit of turmoil in the marketplace, maybe. In 2014, there was a polar vortex, right, out mm -hmm. west, and that polar vortex was a nasty winter storm that just, you know, paralyzed uh, a lot of the western U.S. Yeah, and that storm took six months for the marketplace to normalize. You would wow. just think, okay, well, the trucks just get rolling in the next couple of days. No, 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 it took six months for 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 market to to digest that and get back to normal. Um, and you know, there have been now, in the last seven years, there have been three capacity crises, what we call, uh, you know, where demand for trucking and, and shipping services far exceeds supply. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's happened, you know, and, and prior to that, you know, from 1980, it happened 
you know, prior to those last six, six, seven years, it happened once since 1980. So what we're mm -hmm. into, and, you know, and I think it's a great time to be a student. It's a great time to be in supply chain. It's been a great time to be in business or economics is we're living through the next, uh, we're, we're, we're participants living through it right now, the next industrial revolution. Uh, and we're watching 100%. it happen. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, this is like uncharted territory, um, you know, for a supply chain right now. It's it's becoming its own sector. I think before supply chain was just very kind of integrated into everything, but it's really becoming something of focus, especially after, like you said, with the pandemic and everything and how things have just kind of really shifted for um, a lot of companies. So I guess my one question that you mentioned on COVID, right? Um, I think you guys specialize in shipping COVID-19 vaccines, right? I'm, I'm super interested. Can you talk about why your company like chose to take on such a task? Yeah. So we, well, it, it's a long story, but uh, you know, one of the things that we do is, is we, we uh, stay close to the marketplace, right? Several years ago, 30 years ago, Mm -hmm. uh, what we realized is a lot of our customer base were um, commodities like metal, and okay. and uh, when you when you are in the metals business or the plastics business, those are very low price, very low margins, raw materials, and uh, we were losing our shirts uh, serving this uh, this type of a customer, and one of our customers though was uh, was a drug company, a big pharmaceutical company, and they said you know you guys ought to go to this trade association. Because, you know, you maybe you meet more people like us. And then 30 years ago, we did. And mm -hmm. uh, what we realized was those type of customers need a very complex type of trucking. They need security because these loads get stolen constantly because there's thieves out there following trucks of valuable trucks. And mm -hmm. they'll hijack it when the dr truck stops and they'll take it away and, and sell it in the black market. So, mm -hmm. um, so what we realized is, you know what, maybe there's some better markets we can become a niche player in some high value freight. And that's kind of where we moved. So we have been very active participants in that marketplace. We have customers that make the vaccine. Um, but we also, because we're so prolific and, and, and involved in that industry, we not only know the manufacturers of those products, but we know the uh, international freight forwarders, those folks who ship overseas, or we know the airlines or the oh, air wow. cargo companies that ship. Every single um, entity in transportation needs surface transportation. Yeah, we provide surface transportation. So it, it, you know, if you're going to ship uh, 54 air, uh, you know, airplanes filled with vaccine, uh, you're going to have to truck those yeah. shipments to the airports, right? Yeah. Um, but uh, and and then the other thing, the lastly, I'll, I'll put is the. Uh, some of the vaccines, especially the Pfizer uh, vaccine was, I believe, the coldest and, and Moderna as well, was the coldest vaccine. And, and there are no refrigerated equipment in transportation still to this day that get down that low. Mm -hmm. But but there are packaging companies that are specialized in the movement of pharmaceutical. We, uh, we move freight for those packaging companies. So when you're that uh, okay. intertwined with yeah. the packagers, the freight forwarders, the airlines, and the manufacturers, you're going to get freight from each one of those, with it, or you're going to get vaccine, let's say, from each one of those segments if you're a trusted partner, and, 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 and we were. Interesting. Okay, so it was it was more so like your network kind of just extended into that 
like industry already like in the pharmaceutical industry and you have such a a wide you know yeah variety of connections that it it ended up kind of just falling in into your um into your lap per se yeah you make you know you make your own luck with a lot of you know a lot of work and determination but yeah it, it was we were very fortunate to have a client base that specialized in food drugs we do some government and military freight so you know all these were very good places to be uh, you know through through covid yeah and it's and i think the no nobody really like kind of people don't really think about the fact that the shipping of the vaccines is so essential right because the they need to be shipped at a certain temperature otherwise they won't be effective anymore and um it, it's interesting to think about how many moving parts there were a part of that and that you guys were a part of making that possible during such a difficult time yeah so So yeah definitely a uh you know a special piece of history to be have touched exactly yeah that's pretty interesting um so in terms of other current events um currently overseas right with um ukraine and russia and everything that's happening um i i think that your company um also ships oil uh, uh, sorry specializes in um transportation of that right you, yeah, you, you you did your homework, uh, but uh, I would say that uh, not not so much the uh, transportation of oil. We support uh, several oil refineries around the U.S. Okay. With uh, and other types of uh, plants with inbound materials. So if you've ever driven past a, a, an oil refinery, you will see a just a tremendous amount of metal, and mm. uh, and it doesn't look like that metal does very much, but it's it's processing a lot of oil and, and turning it into, you know, gasoline and other chemicals that we need in our daily lives mm-hmm. uh, byproducts. But every piece of that metal that you see has a useful life, meaning it has to be replaced on some, you know, uh, uh, you know, planned at some planned interval, three years, eight years, 10 years, what have you. And it's a lot of metal. And uh, the other thing is uh, nobody wants an oil refinery to get any bigger because there's that not in my backyard mentality. And really in the North, there's not much more land. So what happens is when they invent, the engineers invent a a smarter way, a cleaner way, a a more efficient way, what have you, they will shut a refinery down. They'll, they'll, they'll they'll, uh, retrofit it and they'll uh, start it back up again. Uh, We move a tremendous amount of freight of that metal into and out of refineries. And we are busy every single day all around the country. So that's our background. Yeah, so we don't move the actual uh, fluid. Okay, interesting. Uh, but, yeah, but but with regard to uh, Putin's um, um, uh, war, uh, yeah. um, that is uh, likely to change or to increase oil prices because yeah. of, um, you know, it, it already has increased the, the, the price of crude, but It'll increase yeah. prices at the pump because those are the futures are so closely t- uh, tied to uh, pump uh, prices. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. And so, I mean, so I guess you're not directly um, involved in in the the prices of um, oil and, and such. So you don't think that it's going to have too much of an impact on on your sector of the Well, no, no. It's it's uh, fuel is a you know the the maybe after the drivers pay, uh, fuel is the second highest component in freight transportation. So, you know, the, what, 
you know, uh, the the previous uh, was it 20, 2008 or early 2009 through 2019 was the longest um, economic recovery in the nation's history, right? Mm-hmm. And um, during that period of time, we had ten, it was a ten year uh, ten year growth. Uh, and then we slowed down and we, we went into a slight recession and we came back out of it. Um, anytime, anytime you have a fuel increase like this, um, we, <laughs> it's at, at any point in time during that 10 year period, we were stretched. The industry, the marketplace was stretched so thinly, so tightly. Yeah. Any little thing could disrupt it. And I talked about the snow, right? The polar vortex. And there were you know, a few mm-hmm. other things that kind of hit this this is this this war the war never comes at a good time war is rarely a good idea this one is disgusting in my opinion um okay. but uh this particular the, the impact that this is going to have is going to exacerbate a global supply chain that's already um a a a mess is yeah. already um you know, nearly unglued. I mean, we're, we're keeping it together, but this, uh, this is a significant event that's going to raise prices. And we're already, we've been talking uh, in 2021 about inflation. It's, you know, uh, we're going to, it's going to lead to, you know, further inflation. It it almost has to. 100%. Yeah. I mean, prices are going to skyrocket overall, everything, right. It's all, cause it's all connected. Um, but how do you think, um, in your opinion, I guess, um, that companies should be preparing for this? Well, I think that we've had a lot of practice over the last two years in particular. Right? Okay, that's so, true. Um, so what we see is uh, typically you see something like this, and I, I hate to, 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 to minimize what this is, but this war uh, or a volcano eruption or another kind of war, you know, th- those yeah. are those are we refer refer to as black swan events, right? There, it's yeah. a uh, it's a moment in time, hopefully not a long one, but it's a moment in time you you deal with. What we experienced for the last two years has been a sustained uh, global event. Uh, you know that that and and there's a stark difference I think between that and what we hope is a very short lived. Um, war. Um, so I guess what I'm trying to say is against the backdrop of the last two years of COVID and the chaos that we've experienced, this is just from a purely logistical standpoint, not humanitarian, I try to stress, yeah, purely logistical standpoint. This is a black swan event that we'll, we'll manage through. Okay. It's the next one. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, considering like how disastrous, um, you know, the current state of supply chain is and and just the impacts and everything that, you know, has happened so far, kind of you can see it as like preparation for for another disaster like this. It's something that I guess you're saying companies are prepared for in a sense and have experience handling at this point. Yeah, I mean, we're we're in we have been this industry has been in in crisis slash triage mode for, you know, for the last two years. And, yeah. and um, you know, it, it, we're, a lot of us felt as if maybe 2023 or 2022 is the year that 
you know, we start to see a leveling, much higher price leveling in, in freight transportation. Yeah. But, but um, you know, it's, it's really, it's, it, you know, it's when you begin to try to forecast, uh, you, that's when you kind of go off the rails. So, uh, but this, this event in, in Europe is, uh, you know, is, is troubling. And look, uh, uh, what's happening in Ukraine, um, you know, two world wars started with far less uh, of a, a flame than than what uh, Putin just did. Yeah, definitely. So it's 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 cause for um for alarm, I guess. But um, I I can't help but ask: Do you think? Or what What do you think it would take for um this crisis to settle? And when do you think? I I guess I can't ask when because. I don't know. What, what do you think um, will bring this sort of crisis to an end? When will when will supply chain kind of stabilize? So in the end, I'm um, I'm a big believer in the marketplace. You you had touched on a driver shortage. Uh, yeah. We have we have data. Our other company is called a company called Qualified Carriers. I've got um, data in that company uh, that shows the number of truck driving uh, truck drivers, the number of trailers, the number of tractors, the number of companies in business. So there, uh, the reality is over the last 10 years, we've increased the number of drivers from 2 million to 3.5 million drivers. So okay. the question about driver shortage is there's a shortage if you're a big trucking company trying to hire drivers. Yeah. But most of the new drivers have gone to the small fleets or started their own fleet okay. to be their own bosses. Uh, so, you know, that's... Um, uh, that's what's happening beneath the covers, beneath the surface. And, and I've okay. got a lot of data to, to show that. But your question um, was around, you know, what's what's going to take? The reason I brought that driver thing up is that um, uh, in every bull market, right? And that's what we're in right now. If you're an investor in trucking, if you're a trucking company, you're, if you're thinking you're very bullish because prices have gone up. Yeah. Demand has gone up. Uh, even us as a third party, uh, we're very bullish on, you know, what our, what our odds are to be successful. Uh, but what happens eventually is more drivers will enter. They'll, they'll continue entering once we reach the, the pinnacle, once we reach the tipping point where things start to level, things start to, uh, uh, you know, reach an equilibrium. Mm-hmm. And then also our buying uh, behaviors will be changing and are already changing. Uh, shippers, big, large manufacturers used to go to bid once every two years. They used to put their whole network, all their business, to freight, freight business out to bid. They're yeah. not doing that anymore. They're doing just small increments. What's not working? Where am I not on time? Maybe price is killing me in this area, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this to bid, but I don't okay. want to upset the apple cart. So you're going to reach a point here at next year, this year, later this year. Who knows? Whenever the point happens, the market is as alive and as brilliant and, and exciting as the stock market is, it's just maybe a little slower, right? Slow okay. because it involves people and buying assets and making contracts and, and getting into business or leaving one company. So it, it takes a little longer to get there, but uh, I'm a huge believer in this market. I've seen it. Uh, I've seen it live, breathe, and act like a normal market for 30 years now. So at, at some point in time, uh, you know, we'll, we, we'll reach an equilibrium. Now, the uh, two things can happen. 
uh, we could hit a recession. And if it was a deep enough and long enough recession, that would bring the party to an end very quickly. Mm. Um, and then, of course, this war could turn into something bigger than than um, than at least the West think thinks it is. Uh, uh, and 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 then all bets are off. Interesting. Yeah, that's that's an interesting point of view because um, you know, so far what I've gathered from different opinions is that there there is no um, certain foreseeable end to this in the future, and that it eventually will just kind of, I guess, even out on its own. Like it will, it it will settle, but it will settle at like a a point where it's it's always going to be, you know, changing, in a, in a sense, if that makes sense. No, I but, I, I agree entirely. I mean, yeah. again, it, it, you you don't go through. You know, I, I I referred to this 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 industrial revolution, maybe more of a commercial global revolution than an industrial, mm-hmm. uh, but nevertheless, we're going through it. And I don't know that it's over. You know, I, I, I think I think what we saw was COVID accelerated the rate and, and, and volume at which we buy things and have them delivered. So that last yeah. mile business. But in order to fulfill, if you're a, a company in my, within my career, there used to be one place. If you're going to choose one place to put a warehouse, mm-hmm. hit the whole country. It was in Indiana, someplace in Indiana. Now there's warehouses and just about every county everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, you know, so that process to try to fulfill that you still have plants in one or two or 12 places. So that the, the metamorphosis of our global supply chain from right from sourcing to manufacturing to transportation, boy, that's going to be changing for at least a decade, you know, at a pretty rapid pace. Definitely hundred percent. And kind of speaking on, but the whole like supply chain um, revolution and that sort of thing, there is a huge tech revolution also kind of hitting the supply chain industry. I'm just curious, what technologies, um, technology changes have you seen in the past 30 years or that have, or that you've had experience with um, within like freight or the freight industry um, that you see, that you think are kind of like relevant? Yeah, so I, I'm gonna I'm gonna shrink that 30 years because that 30 years includes the fax machine. So uh, <laughs> I'm gonna say I'm gonna shrink it to you know kind yeah, of what's yeah. happening right now. Um, uh, what's happening right now is we're seeing uh, there are there's a race and and it's going to be a multiple winners. Uh, there's a race to to get um, tracking information on every single tra- uh, you know truckload transportation uh, truck okay. truckload. We don't have that yet today. The industry doesn't. Uh, there's okay. a race to get there. So if you're shipping a truckload of product that's eighty to one hundred fifty thousand dollars or millions of dollars, you want to know where that product is every minute of the day. Definitely. On top of that, you just imagine it's. Uh, I, I refer to it as. Uh, uh, you know, it's a. Uh, it's almost like a Christmas tree. You add ornaments to that tree, right? And one of the ornaments you might add is well, temperature control. I want to know yeah. what the temperature is inside. I want to know what the humidity is inside that trailer. In fact, I want to. I want a, a camera on the inside of that trail, those trailer doors, so that if some, you know, some likely criminal uh, at the truck stop cuts the seal, opens the door to see what's inside, and shuts that door, uh, my pharmaceutical customer doesn't need to destroy that entire load because someone looked at it. However, okay. if someone tampered in it, tampered with it. Yeah, you know, we need to know those things. There's all kinds yeah. of ornaments you can place on that tree, all kinds of um, 
but you have to have a connection first. So that's a big one. But then you take a step back further. There's trucks, but then there's uh, railroads. There's ocean freight containers. There's so yeah. uh, the world wants to see, at least the supply chain world wants to see. Um, you want to be able to see, like the blockchain will has promised to do. Um, you want to be able to see where every single event occurred with regard to every ingredient in a particular product, mm-hmm. and that's the promise that that's ahead. I think a lot of technology that we're that I've seen, and I, I see a lot of technology all the time. Um, it is is um, is not revolutionary technology in supply chain. It's uh, it's clipping off some easy wins, and and that's okay too. Yeah. You know that's and there's a lot of money being invested in clipping off these easy wins. Um, uh, you know, I, I, again, I mentioned the Uber Uber Freight uh, thought that they could kind of go in and do what they did with the ride sharing, and then they ended up having to buy brokerages to exist, yeah. you know to do what we do, but you know try to put it on their platform. Yeah. Um, so it's, you know, there's a, the, the revolution is coming, but it's going to be some time and, um, and there'll be, you know, there'll be some winners at the end, but it's, uh, it's incredibly complex, um, you know, 355,000 trucking companies, hundreds of thousands of different companies that ship and, and, um, you know, that, that trying to put the make two companies systems talk together is uh is is thousands and thousands of dollars and lots of effort you try to put 20 100 600 like any medium-sized company would need to do you're talking about really significant investments in technology that's going to have to take you know herculean efforts exactly yeah and so so i guess what i'm hearing is that um it's kind of integrating existing technology just into you know, existing platforms, like adding, you know, that like ability to track the temperature, like adding, you know, cameras and like tracking equipment to like trucks. This is like existing technology that's kind of just new to supply chain. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's new. I think it's 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 bringing those things not just for the good of that individual trucking company, but it's bringing those those insights, those that data to the value uh, of of the receiver of those goods mm-hmm. to the to the shipper or the manufacturer or distributor of those goods to those any of those stakeholders in the transaction who need to know uh, you know know these things so i i don't want to diminish the role that technology is playing there's tremendous amount of 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 savvy smart investment that will take time to to have real significant impact in supply chain and, and plenty has already. Yeah. But we're just not seeing the um, uh, market disruption from technology. What, what, uh, yeah. what I think we'll see is that market leaders are going to be adopting bits and pieces of this technology and, and building, building our own to, to, to meet the needs. Um, there may be some, you know, some, uh, disruptors out there, but uh, all, all every disruptor that I've ever seen or heard or read about uh, was was less successful in that theory of disruption and just more successful in you know hey I'm building a business too, and it's just a slightly different platform. Yeah, interesting. Okay, um, so I guess just switching gears a little bit. 
um, to like career wise. How did your career first take off? I mean, did you start as a CEO, like right out of like your master's when you finished your master's or did you kind of gain experience anywhere else before coming into like such a position? Yeah, no, I, I did gain experience. So, uh, you know, I'm a little different, right. Than your normal, uh, because I'm third generation. And yeah. so my, my story in a nutshell is that I, I was in the uh, university of Delaware as a, I was like a sophomore, I think it was. And I was, told by my dad, hey, you know, uh, if you ever want to join the business, uh, you know, we could talk about that, but you guys need to go, you know, me and my brother, the only siblings in the family. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, you know, go out and go out and make your, make your way, find a job and, and get some experience out there. And if, uh, you know, if the world brings you back to the company, then we'll talk. Okay. So I think it was maybe my juniors, and, I, and I'm sorry, before I went to college, that was the case. And then uh, <laughs> there was sophomore, junior year. My dad said, uh, hey, listen, new plan. I'm going to retire in five years. If you want to join the business, now's the time. Otherwise, it might, might not be there. Okay. So I you know, was faced with, well, should I or shouldn't I? And I really didn't have a passion around joining the, the company. But everyone around me thought it was, I'd be crazy not to. So I, yeah. I did it. Uh, that I worked for my dad, not for just a few years. I worked for him for uh, 11, 11, 12 years. Okay. When he decided to finally retire, he stepped out of the business entirely. Uh, but by that time, I had done just about all the roles in the company. Okay. Um, you know, wasn't making very much. I had the uh, the family discount. You know, you think the family's going to pay you extra. I got the family discount. I wasn't making that much money when I started. I <laughs> uh, was looking around. My friends were making more money. Uh, what the heck is going on around here? Yeah. Supposed to be a good gig. And um, uh, but you know, I did have. A, I had a job and I was learning and. Um, very, very hard working for your family. It, it, one of the hardest things I ever did. Uh, never want to do it again, but I'm glad that I, w- I did it. <laughs> but I did all of the jobs. I was the, you know, the, the number one sales representative uh, for a number of years. Uh, yeah. And, you know, from, from uh, you know, basically from college, uh, two, three, four years out of college, I just, uh, I was having success. And, um, you know, so my brother and I, we have different skill sets. He took over more of the operations side. I took over more of the sales and marketing side. And then, we, mm. um, you know, we had some really key contributors who have been here at the company for many, many years. Just one just retired at 37 years in. Mm. We took care, real good care of our, our team. We've got a great culture, great group of people. And, um, you know, and and uh, we entered the business as, as uh, co-owners, as president and CEO. He's president and CEO. We yeah. entered the business in uh, what year was that? The 2000 and end of 2003 is when my dad retired. We had okay. one year of outstanding growth because the marketplace was not unlike what it is today, or a lot of inflated prices and high demand. So yeah. we had a chance really to mess up and not really pay the consequences. And, okay. and you know, and, and not that we messed up, but you can make mistakes, and and yeah. it wasn't punishing. So, you know, very fortunate uh, all along the way to have parents who believed in, you know, we could actually pay off the bill. We told them we would and, yeah. uh, and we did. And um, and uh, we grew the company you know, significantly since, uh, you know, that time. That's great. And so you're kind of in this with your brother, right? That's what you said? Correct. Okay. That's really cool. Um, and so more of like speaking more of like the CEO role that you're in now. Um, you've obviously had a lot of experience managing people. 
and I guess hiring people, right? So in your opinion, like from a student's um, standpoint, I'm asking this, um, what kind of stands out to you in a person when you're looking for um, someone to take on like an upper management role and kind of move out of like those entry level positions? Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a great question. And I, uh, my son is a sophomore in college right now uh, okay. and uh, not, not going to join the business, but, um, uh, but I, I talk to him about this all the time. Yeah. Um, you want to see, look, you know, I think the school that you go to, you know, gets you the interview, uh, gets you maybe in the door. But um, I, I just told him today uh, in a different conversation, he was having an interview today. I said, you know, it really, uh, I have never once looked at a professional who just is crushing it and think to myself, what school did that person go to? I've got to... <laughs> I've got to know what yeah. they've gone to. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Because uh, because what I look for are people who uh, show leadership, demonstrate it every day, that are hardworking and are having success in the moment, in the position that we've assigned. You know, that uh, if, you, if, you're, if you're in a position, uh, it's so important to be excellent in that position for a year or two or three uh, knowing, of course, that you've got an opportunity if you excel in that position uh, to really demonstrate who you are and what you can do. Because, mm -hmm. you know, if you're in that position, odds are the company needs you in that position and is and is testing whether or not you can, you know, you can succeed. If you can succeed there. And we've got people here who um, have asked for more responsibility and yeah. they've made a business case as to what they can do with that extra responsibility or they've asked for an additional resource and here's what i think i can do someone mm -hmm. comes to me like that and it's a well thought out plan uh now i'm not a big huge corporation that has to have 25 people to make a decision i can look at that and i can say you know what that makes sense and and trust that person to go and do it so uh mm -hmm. you 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 know it when you see it you know and you know the production and um you know, I think that, you know, as a student, you know, you want to have uh, you want to have a solid resume. You want to you want to be interning. You want to maybe, mm -hmm. uh, you know, if it's your major, maybe you want to have uh, maybe you want to get a certificate in, in the area of study, maybe not from your own college, maybe from a different college, just to show, you know what, I, I really wanted a different perspective. I want to whatever the case is, you want to stand out somehow. Okay. Um, but. And it's not to do it. It's not to stand out for the sake of standing out. I think you want to be able to stand out uh, in everything that you do, in every okay. approach you take. Interesting. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I think that it's important for students to, whatever you do, um, try your best at it. I think that's also kind of going along with what you're saying. Um, it's not particularly like how many things you do or like the, the, um, you know, the name behind like what you're doing or what company you're at, but it's the quality of work that you did while you were there or like the quality of, um, you know, the effort and the, the time that you put into the college that you were at and how involved you got rather than just like the name of like the school you went to. So yeah, that, I need to, yeah. I need to be able to trust, trust that the work's going to get done well. If I can trust exactly. You, uh, then I can find more things to do for you. And I got, I got a plenty, a lot, plenty long list of things, and, <laughs> you know, and the more I can trust, the more I can give, you know, it's like in, in sports, you feed that hot hand and, and you, and, and the last thing a company wants to do ever is to lose that 
significant contributor, that person that you can trust. If Definitely. They're going to get the job done every time. They're going to ask questions. They're going to get clarifying questions, and they're going to get it done. They're going to get it done well and on time. Definitely. And those are people that you want to keep in the company. They're people that you trust and that are a valuable asset and resource. Yeah, they get, yeah, they get raises more frequently because you don't want the marketplace to catch up with their their older raise or older compensation. <laughs> look for other ways to to reward them and, and, and involve them and, and make them happy. Exactly. Especially for companies like yours, I feel like people are one of the biggest assets more than anything else. They are. Yeah. Um, I think that's a great point to kind of um, end this at. Um, so I want to thank you for being a guest on the episode. I really enjoyed our conversation here today. And I think that we're leaving the listeners with a lot to think about in terms of supply chain. Great. Well, I appreciate uh, you guys asking me to participate and great questions. And thanks for doing your homework ahead of time. Yes. Uh, and thank you. Thank you. No problem. So that brings us to the end of this episode. I hope you guys enjoyed learning about the freight business and the various roles Tucker Co. plays in such a vast supply chain network. Stay tuned for more episodes in the near future. And until next time, have a wonderful day. Thanks again for listening to this episode of Supply Chain Central. Be sure to check us out on Instagram at Rutgers Ruska and follow us on Spotify to know when new episodes are posted. That's a wrap.